0: Welcome to TestSphere Roulette, the podcast where my panel guests could be asked to discuss any testing topic decided by randomly selected TestSphere cards. I'm your host, Simon Pryor. Let's talk testing. Hello, and welcome to episode four of TestSphere Roulette. Um, I'm joined by two more amazing guests. I'll allow them to introduce themselves, starting with Micah.
1: Hey, I'm Maike. I'm hailing from the Netherlands, Utrecht to be exact. I've been a tester for 10 years now, but I've also recently picked up iOS development. Uh, I can't really decide if I want to transition to be a full-time developer or not, but I finally learned how to code, so that's a win at least. And you might know me from uh, conference talks I've done most recently i have given a talk um <laughs> that i think many people enjoyed and you can watch it for free on the ministry of testing platform it's called uh bullshit alert on the bullshitization of software testing and it's meant to be um yeah um stirring up the pot you could say so uh yeah i, I uh, invite you to uh, go watch that talk um as a hobby, I do powerlifting. I have a gym at home. So even during the Corona times, I uh, could still um, yeah, do my uh, do my workouts. So that was really great. So yeah, that's
0: it uh, about me. Kids. Pete.
2: Hello, my name is Pete. Uh, I also hail from the Netherlands, uh, but for the last 15 years, I've been living and working in beautiful Scotland. I've been in the testing industry for more than 20 years now, Uh, I feel old, (laughs) Um, uh, and my specialization is all things automation, but I've done uh, lots of manual testing as well and test management uh, in my previous job fun fact about me is is that I like to do a bit of amateur dramatics and uh for the last uh, it's been a couple of years ago but I've played the I've played the panto for two years in a row and that was
0: good fun that sounds awesome I would love to see that have, yeah. is that um the local pantomime where you are in Scotland is it what?
2: Yes, okay. yes, awesome. In the, in the local town, is this uh, I can share pictures sounds uh, amazing. and sometimes I share pictures on the socials uh, of that?
0: That sounds amazing. Thanks for that, Pate and Micah. Okay, um, so f- before we start, then just to give you a quick rundown of how it works, um, I will spin the wheel and it could land on any of the 160 Test Fear cards, including the expansion pack. I will introduce the card, we'll talk through the first sort of statement on the card, and then it's free to just Elicit whatever conversation that comes from that card, um, and then when when conversation dries up, we'll move on to the next one and spin the wheel again. Sound good? Okay.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yep, I'm going
0: to spin the wheel for the first card. Then spinning away. And it's landed on the card. It's a feelings card. Confident. The tester is feeling valued and skilled. She can handle whatever comes her way. You feel pretty confident in your role. You've got your basis covered and feel safe in your job. A tester often becomes a higher profile role the longer a project runs. What do we think of that?
1: Oh, man. Oh, This immediately is a card that indeed brings out a lot of feelings in me because this is something i keep struggling with as a tester and i've actually recently written a blog post about that feeling that as a tester you're it can sometimes feel that you're like at the bottom of the backing order and that people yeah. don't take you seriously and that you need other people to give you space and it is something i personally do need to feel confident that other people see the work that i'm doing and that they support me so yeah this card whoa yeah <laughs> it brings out a yes. lot of feelings in me what about you Pete?
2: yeah no, i've got the same as this especially when i moved to scotland in 2005 it is this i joined a comp so for starters everything was new uh i just became a father. Uh, started a new job, moved to a new country, uh, to a new company. And I was the first tester there. Is this, and it felt like a daily battle to show the value that you bring to the company. Is this. And I find that such a shame, Is this, because if you see where you want to spend your energy, you don't want to have to spend your energy or your effort towards showing towards others mm. that you can add value to the companies, is you rather want to put that effort in adding that value rather than trying to have that constant uh, battle. Yes. And I must say, is this is in this current company where I work now, is this, it is much better is this uh, I was hired by uh, Andrew McCormack, uh, who is also quite active in the testing community is this, and he always uh, advocated for good testing practices and value that could it bring to the companies. And I sort of started to ride on that wave and uh, Andrew has since left is this and luckily we, uh, the waves uh, those waves are still coming in the company
1: but you said uh, you felt less confident before in the, in the first job you had in Scotland. But did you manage to improve that feeling uh, by yourself somehow?
2: Well, the thing is, it's not that I was not confident. This is, it was just uh, because I already had a good couple of years of testing experience uh, bringing to that new company. And on that experience, I was hired. This is to set up proper structured testing within that company. It's just... The feelings is that, yeah, or the the backlash that I specifically got is is from the longer-serving developers. That is where Mm -hmm. I had sort of sour feelings sometimes. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. uh, But just how I tackle that is is just, I think, uh, yeah, rely on your, yeah, be confident Is, is that the experience that you bring and see the results of that with the small changes that it brings to the culture is is, uh, that uh, that kept me going there. Mm.
1: That's a good thing you mentioned actually, because I'm very bad at that. I have this vivid utopia in my mind, if you will. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I tend to overlook like the small wins you can have and that's why i feel a lot of cognitive dissonance once in a while when it feels like i like i i'm stuck like i don't uh, i'm not able to let the team improve but then sometimes other people tell me yeah i do see what you're doing you're you're doing great uh, so in a way it's me that is uh, uh, sort of my own worst enemy when it comes to feeling mm-hmm. confident in a it's way that imposter um, syndrome isn't it i don't <laughs> yeah i yeah i guess and i mean this is partly also the reason why i thought of becoming a developer because i sort of feel like they have it better uh, compared to testers in a way well as you can see i'm this topic i'm still uh, kind of searching yeah. and i'm a bit stuck um so yeah <laughs> really interesting yeah I,
0: I i actually had the reverse i went from feeling very lacking in confidence as a developer um fit because i was working in a team with developers that had 15 years plus experience and there's me as a graduate wow. so i never got near the code really i was doing all the small bug fixes but i didn't ever feel confident and i got the opportunity to start doing some of the testing stuff and i loved it from day one i just felt confident that i could do this well and i didn't feel i didn't feel out of the team I, you know i felt part of the testing team i felt like i was providing value so i knew straight away that i was in the right role but then as i've progressed mm-hmm confidence has taken dips at times when testing mm-hmm. hasn't been seen as valued in, as other roles in certain companies I've been or, or in certain places that I've been working and, and it's just especially in the more waterfally type places where testing's just oh I'll just do testing right at the end we don't need any testers involved at all until development's finished and it was that confidence of I know we can do better I know we can be more involved and I can help things but it was until you get that process change and get people listening to you, then start the confidence starts to come back. You well, know, actually, I do know what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah. I think it's a card that we could all talk
2: about forever. Um. Oh dear, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I wanted to add something else to that uh, to the confidence bit. This is over those years, is my confidence sometimes had quite a big or oh, hit when. You thought as a tester, oh, we put so much effort in the testing, is and we're pretty confident that we can go live with this product. And as soon as in the first five minutes that the product is in the hand of the client, they found something, a, a bug, is this, and then the manager come back to you and says, Oh, Peter, oh testing team, why have you missed that? This is and in the beginning of my career, I felt like this is oh shh. <laughs> uh, shit! <laughs> uh, why have I missed that? This is I. I'm probably not good enough in my job. This is, but uh, but then it turns out this is the more you experience that kind of things is it is inevitable that kind of stuff this is and yeah with having learned that this is and now be able to put the more junior members of your team at ease when things like that happens is is that is. I think, quite good.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think we're sometimes doing ourselves a disservice here because as soon as you start calling testing quality assurance, then what are you saying? Are you saying you can guarantee bug-free software once a tester has looked at it and then magically all problems have gone away? I mean, (laughs) that's not how it works. But if a manager who doesn't know anything about testing and we call ourselves quality assurance and yeah, I don't blame them for thinking that this will be the outcome. Well, we know from experience that bugs will always be there. And I mean, with the whole DevOps movement, we know that we should focus on observability and reliability and spotting the problems early and being able to fix them as soon as you found them. But yeah, I guess we did did do ourselves a little bit of harm here as well.
2: Yeah. Yep, definitely.
0: I would agree with that, definitely. it's. Uh, I think it's a constant moving goalpost as well as to, you know, I think there's a reason why testers generally don't feel confident for very long because there's there's constantly things changing and, you know, moving to a new way of working or a new DevOps model where suddenly the pressure's less on doing testing at the end or doing testing during the development and more on doing it beforehand and, and setting things up to find things for us and, like you say, observability, etc. So... Yeah, confidence does seem to be something that we might feel for a short while, and then it changes again, and suddenly you know the fingers are all pointing at testers for not getting it right. And yeah, yeah, good. Okay, well, let's move on. I'll spin the wheel again, and I'll uh, we'll see what the next card is that it gives us. Okay, so I'm going to spin the wheel now.
1: This is like ready
0: for Christmas. Yeah, it's coming okay it stopped on a patterns card called the status quo bias the unwillingness to change from the current situation the feeling that if you change it it could become worse an unwillingness to adjust the process because you are following best practices or because you've always done it that way
2: I'm actually experiencing that at the moment is uh, when I joined our current company is I inherited a CI pipeline with automation is, is that I very quickly thought this can be done better so rather than investing a lot of time in Understanding the way it was set up is, is I very quickly started to build it up, uh, build a new pipeline, a new automation framework uh, myself that got good attention with a lot of the teams within the company. Is, is, but there is still till this day, one team, they say, is, is oh, no, the, uh, the automation setup that we've got and the pipelines that we've got, they work for us. And I constantly have a battle with that team is saying this, but look at the amount of effort you need to put into learning that pipeline, maintaining that pipeline. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that that, that they are very much in that unwillingness to change because it has been set up. It has served them well in the past, uh, but clearly, you can see they are not making the best use of their time and resources.
1: Is it a sunken cost fallacy
2: then? Or not I don't don't think it is a sunken cost fallacy. Is this just the or they're yeah, thinking about it? Maybe it is, is because they see is it, the amount of effort they have put in and still putting in. They don't want to
1: kill their bed.
2: darling. And yes, and to have to throw that away. But the thing is, is it is an inherited darling. It is set up initially by a, by a company, uh, no, not by a company, by, by a colleague that I haven't even met because he was long gone before I joined the company, taken over by somebody else. He recently left. So, uh, and now they are hiring a new colleague starting next month. And he probably is going to inherit that as well. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. They're very, very current, uh, this uh, pattern, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's always nicer to be to stay in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the, the general feeling I get from this card. And the last company I, uh, I worked for, we had the transition to a DevOps way of working. And it amazed me how many people resisted it because, and that amazed me because if you're a developer, I feel you should have skin in the game. You should eat the dog food. And uh, so I was very surprised that so many developers were like, nah, I don't want to be on call. Um, What also surprised me is that they uh, excluded the testers from this. It Mm. took me standing up and saying, dude, I want to be part of the DevOps team too. I want to be on call. I want to have skin in the game. I want to eat dog food. Uh, And it was, and they were like, whoa, 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 really you want that? They were really surprised and other testers wanted it too. Um, So they thought we wouldn't have enough knowledge or something to be able to participate in that. And sure, we had to learn new skills, but we were willing and so we did. And in the end, I, I was so happy that I stood up for the testers then
2: mm-hmm.
1: because, uh, yeah, it, it brought me a lot. It brought me a lot more knowledge about API testing, about observability, about diagnosing actual problems in production. Yeah, that was amazing, but um, the, the transition really brought out how many people would prefer to, to stay in the status quo and resist oh, yes. change.
2: Yeah. Yep. On a similar note, to this I've always been advocating for getting testers involved in peer reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, not in peer reviews. In pull requests when, mm-hmm. uh, come up is, but that's reviewing code and that sort of stuff. Is this? Yeah. But that triggers a mechanism in me. Is this maybe not called a mechanism? Is this? But that I. I'm looking at myself. Is is how can I make change happen within the company is, is that is still something i'm struggling with Is is uh if you want to break that status quo bias is what can you do is this what tools mechanisms things to say things to do is is to to start mm-hmm. that change
1: but yeah in the end you can't will people to change right they have to in the end they have to change you can only show them what's better at the other side of the change, but yeah.
2: Yes, and that is for going back to restructuring the CI pipelines Mm. is keep pointing them to the new structure and the benefits that it brings. And then, yeah, things like that, yes.
1: Yeah, and and then if they choose to not use it, I mean, that's not on you.
2: Well, unless they start to come to me, is this, oh, I've, I'm having trouble with this bit and uh, it doesn't work. Is this, or I see a failure. Is this, uh, can you have a look? Is this, uh, what's wrong with with this step in the pipeline? Is this, another opportunity for me is this, maybe it's time for you to, <laughs> to break the status quo. I, uh-huh. I think
0: um, when I think of status quo, I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is regression testing and how some teams rely on, oh, we have to add all the nude functional tests to our regression pack so we can test it all next time. And I was working in one team at one point where every every release we did every three months, the regression pack increased by another 200 tests at a time. And you know, after three, four years, you've got a regression pack of 4,500 tests, which they insist all still need to be run because it might be that one test that fails of that feature we did three years ago that we need to make sure is covered. And it's just changing that mindset of we need to focus on a more risk-based approach of regression. If we're going to do regression in that way and focus on the bits that we feel we need to test rather than testing everything, because like it just gets to a point where the regression run itself takes a week <laughs> and it's just, yeah. So, I mean, regression is always a thing that I end up feeling like teams like, well, we always do this. We always test it this way. We need to continue testing that way. If we don't do that, we're going to miss something. It's going to go live. There's going to be explosions in, the, in production and, it's like, hang on a minute. Let's look at this properly. Let's try and change that that's coming back
2: to the com. That's coming back to the confidence. It is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Confidence <laughs> not
0: just of the tester, but of the business stakeholders of the project. Yeah. Yep. The product.
2: Yeah.
1: And then did you manage to uh, convince them for your risk-based approach? Did they, slowly, they
0: see? Slowly, yeah. Yeah, things started to move forward and we did get to a point where we did regular refinement of the regression back that was automated that we just only run the test that we felt we needed to if there was a more targeted approach that we needed to focus on we were able to we made it selectable configurable in our automation that we could select particular subgroups of tests that we needed to run specifically so then we could we gain confidence on areas that we felt we needed to so eventually we changed that mindset that we didn't have to run all four and a half thousand every release maybe once every every year or so if there was a need for it we'd make sure that every test had been run at some point but not for every single drop that we did so
2: it yeah. almost sounds like that there is a bit of uh remainder of a waterfall approach in your processes there, there yeah
0: i i'll be honest i've never worked in an environment that's been fully agile they might have said they're agile but there's always been more mini waterfalls uh per oh, iterations yes, yeah. rather than well, haven't
1: we yeah, all exactly
0: <laughs> um so yeah, yeah there's always remainders of Process and if even if the teams feel agile, the overall business is still very much of the the waterfall mindset. Which,
2: but I think yeah. we're, but I think we're all guilty of that ourselves. Is uh, we are all very desperate to break the status quo of the waterfall methodology. Is, is but and going agile is is. But you fall almost unconsciously fall back on the things that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm you've Uh, been doing for years dude i'm
1: i'm i'm even breaking down agile uh right now because (laughs) i'm starting to loathe it more and more because it's agile in quotes you know i mean the agile i've experienced is agile in quotes it's not truly agile
0: what is agile that is the question though
2: So do we, we want, to want to go there? Go there. Maybe yeah, not. I think it's <laughs> without the that,
0: that F- might <laughs> that might be a different different podcast. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> um Do we feel we've done enough on uh, status quo without singing songs? Oh no, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah, let's spin yeah. the wheel again, yeah. Simon. Okay,
0: let's go. Okay, I'm spinning now. Okay, this card is distributed systems under the category dealing with change. So, separating systems—that ah, is from the expansion—it is from the
2: expansion. Yeah, pack it is. It's it's from the expansion. the it. first
0: one from the four repertoires I've done so far. That's from the expansion pack. So, separating systems by very specific business domains, keeping them small and maintainable, often has big advantage over building one big monolith. Domain-driven design has a wealth of ideas on this. Build systems that support user groups or consumers who talk the same language and do the same things. What are our thoughts on this then?
1: This is one of those things where like, I've heard people talking about it for years and I've never, ever, ever seen it in practice. So me personally, I think I have very little uh, intelligence to say about this card based on experience.
2: Yeah, me, me also is this, I would like to see the first company or yeah, I, I even try to figure this is what kind of industry would this work because in the industries that I've been working in this is I think it's very hard to achieve.
1: Oh, yeah, well. I was thinking, like, I don't even know if this counts, but uh, this former client, they had microservices. Does that count as distributed systems?
0: I, 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 would, I would say um, so. Just if it's an individual yeah. component that can be deployed separately to anything else, then that counts as a, some kind of distributed system. Which,
1: you know what the thing was? At the base of that was one terribly large, awful Oracle database. So basically, we were building a distributed system based on crap. Uh, and, and to no one's surprise, that doesn't work
0: foundations, right. You're never going to, be able to build anything effective, are you? So yeah, absolutely.
1: exactly. And it would take that company like 10 years to, to cut up that Oracle big evil database into smaller pieces to really reap the benefits of that approach. So, and don't even get me started on if you have all these tiny services and people don't talk to each other, you still have all sorts of
0: bugs. Well, and- yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And that's that's what I've, I've I've experienced some level of distributed systems where we've been able to deploy components separately at different timeframes and whatever else. But the biggest problem that's always come up is if the teams aren't talking to each other, then the integration points mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. always the problems. There's always issues with integration. And then you don't have the yeah, testing problem. And who
1: has to deal with
0: those? Yeah, exactly. It's all on <laughs> us. us. <Yeah. laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if something goes wrong, they look, they look at us. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe not, maybe not distributed systems is, but one quite similar problem that we are facing within our company is we've got uh, we make physical devices that are used by optometrists and opticians and uh, eye care clinicians and that sort of stuff is this uh, and for a long time they've been developed separately Mm -hmm. so software is done separately the hardware components is done separately the optomechanics is done separately Uh, and for the last few years what they try to do is is making yeah reusing components in new devices And that is at components and software and that sort of stuff. But facing the same problems there is is that uh, teams don't communicate with each other. And then people assuming things from other product lines uh, and then trying to... So one day a team came up and says, now we've got a common code base which can be used in three of our uh, product lines. And it should work. Uh, Mm. And and then, but yeah, so, and the the amount of Problems we had with that is, is because what they technically did is, is they took all the code bases from the three different systems and bashed them together is, is, with a lot of if statements and that sort of stuff. Is, is. Uh, So the code base, the, the file sizes uh, suddenly were more than double. Uh, a lot of bloat is, is then uh, if you run the software on one system, it thought it was another type of system. So yes, it's... Uh, yeah. But I think that is particularly, that comes down to what has been said, communication, yes. And, uh, okay, being agile is this less focused on documentation, Is this, but still, I don't think that we can, even that we are in a medical regulated industry, Still, if you say what are the requirements of one of one of the systems that we sell, there is still a lot of gaps and, uh, yeah, room for interpretation, if you like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I would agree, definitely. I think it's.
0: And
1: what about you, Simon? Have you worked with?
2: Yeah. I
0: uh, to some extent i've had I've been part of systems where there's been it's not been released as one big monolith that we've released as separate components but Pate touched on something then that, that rung a bell in me and which was the, um, the the shared code base um, across components and what actually happened it was the reverse where they, they they split out into these three components and and they all had the same base code base but then when we found defects in one of them the defect was in, inevitably in all three of them because they've got the same base code. So there was bits and pieces that then was like, well, we have refactored this wrong. This has not been developed in the right way. We should have that base as one component and then the bits that are different are separate. And the code reusability was just, it was non-existent. They were just doing the same code in each area rather than having a, a base class that covered everything. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it can be very wrong in the way it's been done, in my experience. But equally, I have seen some ex- some some distribute systems to some extent where some components have worked very well, but there's always, you know, it's down to the humans that are doing the development and the, and, the, and the creation of it at the end of the day. And humans make mistakes. Humans are not all thinking the same way. So while some bits might be working particularly well, other bits are not. And it's, it's how we bring that whole mindset together. And part of that is if we can change our mindsets from a test perspective to be more, preventing stuff and being involved earlier and, and doing that kind of good stuff, then that can help shape the quality of the development later. But it's it's still a, yeah, it's a minefield.
2: Oh, yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> good. Um, well, that's, that's the three cars that we were doing today. So thank you very much for participating. Um, Micah, did you have anything you wanted to plug or promote? we'll talk about before we close Oof. do you want to share your blog no,
1: not really i think i already did it yeah well you can look at my blog michaelbrinkov.nl yeah and please go watch the talk mm. on bullshitization of software testing and, and let me know what you think um and honestly this was so much fun i thought we we're gonna do <laughs> a lot more cars i was like yeah i was finally getting into the <laughs> into the group we
0: could. Know? <laughs> yeah no I have, to, I have to keep it to yeah half an hour <laughs> yeah, or so, unfortunately but yeah
1: <laughs> it was a lot of fun it was
0: definitely and i definitely recommend the talk um i did submit a, a story to when you when you called out for stories about it beforehand so I, Ooh, i'd nice. love to read the, the 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 stuff you put online about it afterwards as well the, the blogs you wrote about it definitely um yeah really love to talk pate did you have anything you wanted to
2: plug no first likewise is i enjoy this uh very much and i think with all those three cars. Okay, maybe not the last one. This is but definitely the first two. We could have talked for hours mm, absolutely. on that. Uh, now, this week it has been announced that uh, the Ministry of Testing are going to run a new batch of 99-minute workshops, and I'm going to be delivering one of those workshops Uh on a topic that I've touched on in uh, one of our cards, uh, and that is uh, introducing code reviews to testers. Okay, oh, that sounds cool. great. And what benefits that can bring uh, and how to approach it and that sort of stuff. So I'm very excited about that.
0: Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining and thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back again next month for another game of Test Fair Roulette. Until then goodbye thank you to the guests and thank you for listening for more information on test check out riskstormingonline.com or buy the card decks from the ministry of testing store music courtesy of zapsplat.com we'll see you for more roulette again soon